This podcast is a TWTT production. Let's enjoy sake. Hot or cold. Let's enjoy sake. All together with you. everyone and thank you for joining TWTT the podcast episode number five. I'm Simone Maynard from Australia and joining me as always is Maki Tanaka from Tokyo. Maki thank you for joining me again and uh, happy new year. Happy new year. This is our first episode for 2023 so we can say really we've uh, this is our second year of podcasting even though we're only five five episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little misleading, uh, but uh, we certainly have had fun with uh, with our first four episodes and very much looking forward to today's episode as well. But before we introduce our guest, um, so over the Christmas New Year period, Maki, have you been drinking a little bit of sake? And if so, anything that stood out for you? Well, I had drinks with you in Melbourne. You did? <laughs> over the holidays, and that was my first summer Christmas, so... That was really nice. Um, but of note, um, I just had dinner with um, Kathy and Jeff, two of the TWTT participants, and Jeff just flew in from Hawaii. And uh, we went to a, a pairing restaurant and uh, we had three brands from TWTT participants in the past. Kaze no Mori and Terada Honke. And the other one was Mukai Shizo. So that was really, really nice to share that with them. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, I'm uh, I'm quite uh, envious. There's so many people over there at the moment, and I shouldn't be because I was very lucky to get over there in September and October. But, uh, yeah, I've definitely, definitely got the itch to travel there again, and it's really great to see that John Gortner's course uh, is able to be held in Tokyo again this year, and I know a lot of people from the TWTT community will be taking his level two this year and uh yeah really excited to follow their journey and um, looking forward to lots of sake stories from some of our TWTT friends but speaking of TWTT friends um we have a very special guest with us today his name is Daryl Cody Brailsford but we just call him Cody <laughs> and it's funny I actually met Cody in Australia uh, when we first met, we met in Melbourne back in June 2019. Cody was over here representing the brewery he was working with at the time. And I was doing a little bit of work for the company that was importing their sake. And we actually did a really fun um, dinner in the city in Melbourne. And we got to host a wonderful degustation dinner together. And then we also were part of the Sake Matsuri uh, and we got to pour sake um, not only from Watanabe Shuzo Ten, but also from Gozenshu and uh, Meiko uh, Tsuji was also out here and that was the first time I met her. Um, of course, bringing it back to TWTT, Cody was our guest for session number seven back in June 2020 when TWTT was just a baby. 
and of course joined us for the one year anniversary in April 2021 alongside another three brewers. So it's wonderful to have him back here this evening, Mucky, and uh, to be able to have him on our very new TWTT podcast. So Cody, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Simone. Thank you, Maki-san. Uh, and thanks for having me out uh, this evening um, for this podcast. And so um, I guess a, a brief introduction would probably be appropriate. Uh, I've been uh, uh, working for uh, actually a Watanabe Sake Brewery based in Hida Furukawa, um, Gifu Prefecture, um, uh, for 15 years. Just recently, uh, over the uh, 15 years, I, I resigned and uh, moved to another brewery in Hida Takayama called Funasaka um, Sake Brewery. And I'm currently the Fukutoji um, or the assistant brewmaster at uh, Funasaka Shuzo. Uh, and uh, thanks for having me out tonight. Oh, thank you for joining us. So going back a little further than that, for people who perhaps don't know who you are, Cody, and can clearly hear that you're not Japanese, yet you're over in Japan brewing sake, Perhaps you can just give people a little idea of where you're from and how you came to be living in Japan and brewing sake. Um, I grew up in America, in the state of Utah, um, in a small town called Prolong. Um, and uh, and uh, um, actually um, attended school um, at a local college there um, and actually met my wife there. And so, um, and she was um, fortunately Unfortunately, from actually uh, Hida Takayama. And so, uh, long story short, you know, um, after we dated, um, we decided to get married. And, uh, and then we, we wanted to actually raise our children here in Japan. And so, we, uh, you know, chose to come back here eventually if, you know, if it was possible. Um, actually, um, in, uh, in America, I, I'm actually a physical therapist by profession. So, I was in the medical profession. Um, and uh, was um, working at a university in Texas um, and then chose to resign from the university and actually moved to Japan um, to raise the children. And so really, um, you know, I was always fascinated uh, because when I was actually doing my um, doctoral work in Washington, D.C., actually, um, it was my first uh, experience about with Japanese sake in general. And so it was uh, Patsukan, of course, and it was hard to drink. And so, you know, it was a very, uh, I, I would say a bittersweet experience. <laughs> and so actually after moving um, or coming back on several occasions with my wife um, um, and uh, during the New Year's um, and, and more or less experiencing Hida sake in general, it was entirely a new experience in general where the fruitiness um, it was it was a, a very uh, I, I would say a splendid surprise, um, <laughs> and uh, and so um, and that's kind of what more or less um, actually started um, the whole um, interest in the area. But unfortunately, uh, long story short, but the first sake that I actually tried was actually produced by Watanabe Sake Brewery, um, and so um, it is called Hana. Hana no Momo, and um, they, they actually don't produce it anymore, but it was a very sweet, um, mm -hmm. more or less uh, geared, more or less towards uh, a younger generation, um, more female-based, and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then you ended up spending 15 years brewing there. 
yeah and so um and then after moving here um i was um wondering what i should do uh, work-wise and uh, and so my wife mentioned well there's a actually a, a brewery position available at watanabe cypher brewery <laughs> is this something that you would be interested in doing and so we actually um chose to call um watanabe and at that particular time the kaicho um was actually the one that picked up the phone and he's all oh, just wait he said you know let me give you a call back and uh and then he called me back a, about an hour later and he's all, why don't you come for an interview um, to the, you know, the brewery. And, uh, and then after I went to the interview, long story short, they offered me the position um, to start, you know, the following month. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a, quite an experience to say the least. Wow. And were there ever any times in the early days that you kind of thought, mm, I don't know if this is for me or was it something that you just kind of fell in love with straight away? It was kind of something I kind of fell in love with straight away. Um, of course, there was challenges because that when I started working at the brewery, roughly uh, 10 of the members were from um, Iwate Prefecture. And so, um, and, and you know, as well as I do that um, more or less Izuzu bent. Um, and, and so the, the dialect during Iwate Prefecture was very difficult to understand. And so I was, you know, they'd always say, Danda, you know, and I was all, um, and I would always think down, down. It sounded <laughs> down, down to me. And so I was wondering, what, what the hell is down, down? <laughs> And so I would, I would uh, after work every day, I'd actually go to the office and I'd actually ask the kaicho, what, what's this down, down mean? And why is it so negative, you know? <laughs> and but he's all, you know, it's just, you know, a way to um, pronunciate uh, the conversation. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so on that note, um, were you the only non-Japanese person working at that, at the brewery the whole time you were there? Yeah, yeah, not the whole time, actually, um, for the first, um, geez, 12 years, actually. There was another foreigner that came in um, that was from Thailand, actually, and he uh, did a small internship for um, six months and then uh, quit after that. But um, And then there was another um, gentleman from uh, Minnesota, actually, uh, Blake um, Richardson, actually. Um, he actually did a, a three-week internship um, when I was there as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And how did you find, did you find that you were welcomed quite warmly by all the, the staff there or was it kind of a difficult initiation process? Just the exact opposite. I, would, I, I felt, you know, where I was kind of invading their space at first, you know, because I was told um, when I started that um, more or less, um, I don't know. They always they always said mite obuete mane suru. And so more or less watch what I'm doing and just more or less uh, re, re, reenact um, you know um, without actually you know and um, and so um, and then they told me after a while that if we teach you more or less our skills we're afraid that you would actually take our jobs and so um, and so um, and that was said several times when I was um, first initiated into the process. And of course, me being a foreigner, a lot of my um, more or less senpai or, um, were um, 
uh, older gentlemen that were associated with war and um, having bitter feelings with um, you know America and uh, so there was always that content at first as well uh, but uh, uh, you know slowly that uh, slowly changed over time as well so. yeah 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 and how are you finding um, the dynamics in the new brewery or well it's not a new brewery but it's new for you are you are you once more the uh, the only non-Japanese person there or is there yeah again I am the only non-Japanese there as well um it's a newer company and so actually um even though it has a 200 year history actually in 2019 the company was bought out by a, a local firm actually um and um that that is associated with hotels and golf, golf and you know other um, subsidiaries, but um, uh, but um, they um, bought out the company in 2019, actually. Um, ah, I wasn't aware of that. I was fortunate enough to visit Funasaka Brewery back in 2017 in beautiful Takayama. Uh, it is a, a, an absolutely gorgeous part of Japan. So perhaps now is a great time to talk a little bit about where the brewery is based and more about what you're doing there at Funasaka. Okay. Well, um, more or less it's based in Hida Takayama. Um, so we're more or less surrounded uh, by the Northern um, Japanese Alps. Um, and uh, um, and it, um, well, for, for the last, 10 plus years, it really hasn't snowed too much, but it does uh, get quite cold uh, in the winter months. Um, like this morning, for example, it was negative eight. Um, and, um, and so it's pretty common during the winter months to be around that temperature, which helps along with um, the, the brewing as well in controlling the temperature uh, of the, uh, you know, the sake mash, of course. But um, a little bit about, about, about the brewery in general, um, because I'm such a, a new beginner. Um, I've only actually been uh, employed uh, with Funasake Brew for uh, Sake Brew for the last one year. It's actually been a year, actually, on the 20th of, of this month, actually. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, but uh, they more or less have a uh, history of um, uh, starting um, brewing uh, in the late Edo period. Um, so they have a little bit over a 200 year history of um, brewing actually Japanese sake. Um, actually the, the Yotsu, more or less, um, one of the types of sake that we're actually producing right now is called Yotsuboshi. Um, and uh, more or less um, the, the crest of Funasaka Shuzo is actually, um, it's actually a Mitsuboshi, but actually, and that more or less represents water, rice, atmosphere, and then um, the lines that that link more or less um, all the uh, the boshis together is actually or the constellation um, is um, um, the shitono jonetsu. So the um, the passion of everybody um, is really what it represents. Uh, and so, and as um, I just mentioned, uh, we're actually producing this particular um, product right now. So it's daiginjo. Um, and we actually just finished our first, oh, actually we finished our first batch tomorrow, actually. Um, and so um, as with any digging joint in general, it takes a lot of um, patience as well as time. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, very time consuming. Yeah. Uh, very early, more or less, other than today, you know, I, I've been constantly staying at the brewery uh, for the, over the last week. Uh, so it's more or less 24 seven. 
um, always checking on the Koji as well as the, the Moromi. Yeah. Um, the factors that are associated with uh, the brewing season. So. Yeah. So, what? How many? How many sake are in Funasaka's lineup generally? Roughly a little, a little bit over twenty different types. Um, so any anything from Fusushu to Daiginjo to Honjozo uh, to Jugin, Jumaginjo uh, to Ginjo, um, and then. Um, then we also do a small batch of Jumai Daiginjo, um, and then two different um, batches of not only Daiginjo, but um, the Yotsuboshi Daiginjo. And the biggest difference is more or less um, the Miyamagiku, which is another more or less uh, brand name um, for the brewery. It um, uses um, Hirohomare rice. Um, uh, fifty percent polished rate, um, whereas the Yotsuboshi is actually used polished. To, it's Yamada Nishiki polished to forty percent, and that's the biggest difference um, with that. Um, mm. And then we only roughly produce um, two batches a year with this Yotsuboshi uh, particular mm. product. So, hi. Um. This may be too early to ask, but what what do they serve the kurabito there? What what type of sake do, do you usually drink with your colleagues at dinner? Oh, I normally drink uh, miyamagiku and a futsushu, so atsukon. <laughs> and uh, is, is it heated in a, a big yakan? The um, yeah, the kettle heated up in, in a yakan, and then everybody's you know it's um, yeah so. Actually, the day before I actually came back to the house, we were actually drinking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so I, I can't uh, escape without uh, actually drinking with the, the Toji-san. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so. It's, it's never too early to ask about uh, what, 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 the, what brewers are drinking, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Normally, we, we don't drink too much of the Yosoboshi, even though the day when um, actually I left, um, because we were doing this podcast, the president of the company actually says, well, why don't you drink some Yotsuboshi tonight, especially since, you know, we started making it, you know, this last week, so. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> so what's the, what's the annual, annual production there at uh, at Funas? It's a little bit over 600 koku, so it's very small compared to what I'm used to. You know, when yeah. I was at Tsunabe Sakaburi, we were producing a little bit over 7,000 koku on a yearly basis. And, and so, you know, it's very small scale compared to what I'm actually um, used to producing. Um, and so it's kind of very relaxed um, atmosphere. And uh, e even though, you know, uh, at this particular time with, especially with the Otsuboshi and the production of the Daiginjo, it's, um, it's quite um, intense like any other uh, brewery in general, but yeah, it's very relaxed in, in regards to the other brewery I was at working at. So. Well, you say relax, but you were working like seven days um, straight <laughs> at the and staying at the brewery. Um, yeah. What's the main difference between um, the two breweries that uh, in in terms of production style? Um, Watanabe Brewery um, really focuses roughly eighty percent of the production uses local rice or so hirohomare. Um, but other than that, they use. Um, uh, there's another series called a W series, uh, and more or less it uh, uh, refers to, I don't know, Watanabe Warai World, actually. 
And so, um, and uh, with this particular series, um, they believe um, using the same kobo or same yeast, but using different types of sake rices uh, brings different characteristics or tasting characteristics to the sake in general. And so we were using anything from Ayama to Kamino, to Akira Komachi, to Koshino Shizuku, from Fukui Prefecture, you know. And, you know, I, at this particular time, I don't exactly know the whole realm of what they're using at this particular point, but yeah, it was quite uh, fascinating. And then the production in general is much larger. Um, right. So the, the, um, the, the brewing method might be different, like how, how one person does what, or what do you call this, like work arrangement? Oh, uh, the work arrangement, yeah. Or um, you know, the, the the types of machinery they use in different those two um, breweries. Yeah, I, I mean um, the the machinery that Watanabe compared to Funosaka is using is entirely different. You know, um, I know Funosaka Shuzo is using Horiken, which is um, more or less bought out by know, Yabata, um, the Yabata company, um, whereas uh, Watanabe use, uses um, Fujiwara. Uh, Fujiwara is the same, uh, more or less. We more or less copied um, what I know, Masumi Shizo was using at their brewery. So with the so with the Jiro Semaiki toka, all the Koshiki, you know, um, and then um, everything, uh, of course, um, at, at the brewery is a much larger scale. So everything is more or less refrigerated. Whereas this last year they actually added another you know, Yabata to the um the more or less their portfolio or their you know management. Um and so um in regards to scale wise, um it's a much bigger. Now in regards to um production, um Watanabe Shuzo is more or less uh, Nambu based, a uh, Nambu and uh, Toji Guild, um, whereas Funesaka Shuzo is a Niigata based. Mm. Uh, and so in regards to those aspects, um, night and day um, differences in regards to not only shubo, um, koji, you know, uh, temperature uh, fluctuations, um, moromi, um, more or less um, degrees of um, temperature fluctuations um, are entirely different. Um, and so that's been really a new, uh, I guess, experience for me. Um, again, I'm a, a, a Noto Guild, and so I, my my background's more Kimoto Yamahai, um, um, and so that's very new to me. And so it's been a very educational, uh, I guess, year to say the least. Mm. So you mentioned they are a smaller brewery in comparison, and and obviously by the the what you said 600 koku, it is it is a much smaller scale brewery. So how many staff are actually brewing there at Funasaka? So roughly there's four of us actually. Um, um, and so there's the, the Toji, um, myself, and then two other um, gentlemen um, that actually help us or more or less brew the sake there. So, so it's, uh, you know, whereas at Watanabe, I was working with 20 people, you know, and so it, it, it's a much, much smaller scale in general as well. So. Yeah. yeah. So with four people, is it hard to take a day off during the brewing season? Uh, no, they they tend to more or less go on rotation. Um, and, and so more or less, 
over the weekend, normally it tends to be um, Toji or myself that uh, kind of looks over the Moodle mean, um, or if there's Koji in the Moodle as well, for the, you know, and then we more, more or less correspond with one another. Uh, the other two gentlemen, more or less, they're just on standby, you know, if anything else, you know, happens, you know, which normally does it, but um, yeah. Especially with the Daiginjo at this critical time as well, uh, it's also a rotation as well. So we're constantly um, in and out, I'm constantly. And, and are you all local or is yeah. Koji hailing from Niigata or? No, uh, he's um, local as well. And okay. So, yeah, uh, he, he just Niigata, more Echigo based um, in the guild there. So. And how long has the Toji been brewing at Funasaka? They're oh, 36 years. Wow. So. Okay. And was he somewhere else prior to Funasaka or was no? He's actually only brewed with Funasaka his whole career. So. And then uh, on the off months, he actually makes horenzo or spinach. He has his own business um, besides um, producing Japanese sake. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what do you do, Cody, when you're not producing sake? Well, I, I normally go on business trips, um, Aegyo. Um, um, whereas this last season, um, I had various um, problems with my knees, so I had to have surgery, and so I, I kind of took that route this season, but this next year, um, I think they'll uh, have me uh, going in and out of not only the dis the brewery, but the, the distillery as, as well. So mm. I, I know from what I kind of gather is the uh, the president wants me to kind of refocus my, uh, my ideas towards the whiskey uh, in the off season. Or you've just let the cat out of the bag, Cody. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Which I have nothing, I have no idea about whiskey at all. And so it's a very new, new area. So we were going, we were going to do a bit of a segue into that, but that's okay. Let's just jump right in. So for those listening that are thinking, hey, well, what are we listening to a sake podcast or a whiskey podcast? We are listening to a sake podcast, but uh, we did get wind um, a little while back that some changes were happening and that uh, an extension of the, the brewery was happening in the form of a, a distillery. So, Cody, for those listening that are curious, and I know there's a lot of whiskey drinkers amongst the TWTT family, and, of course, Andrew Russell being one of them, who's another fellow sake brewer who was with us for episode two, um, tell us a little, just a little bit about what's happening there. Well, I know, like I just mentioned, I know very little about um, the whiskey side of the business, but um, um, started actually at the beginning of last year, actually. Um, they, they bought out an old elementary school, which is uh, in a town called T Takane. And so it's actually uh, about an hour and a half um, from Takayama, actually. Um, so we have to commute there on a, on a daily basis as well. Uh, but um, they actually... Uh, re they bought out an old elementary school uh, and reformed it into a distillery. And starting in April um, of um, this year, actually, uh, the distillery will uh, uh, start um, initially. Um, it's, uh, last so you're, you're saying you don't know much about whiskey and no. maybe the other brewers there don't know much about whiskey. 
so where where did this concept come from and and why and who's going to be um in in charge of the the distilling there well the, the, that actually hasn't been uh, more or less uh, announced yet actually <laughs> Uh, but uh, more or less how it all started it was is I think the president um, was always fascinated with whiskey as well. And so he, he was always kind of ramping up to more or less start his own distillery. And because there's not a distillery in the Hida region, so he wanted to kind of be the first um, um, to kind of start a business um, like in, in this fashion, I guess. Um, and uh, and uh, long story short, um, that's pretty much how it all started, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, as you can probably tell, I know so little about this side of the business, but um, yeah, I, I know, all I know is it starting in April, um, I was actually actually asked to uh, attend a, a whiskey uh, fest in Tokyo last month, and uh, I was just kind of fascinated how really big it is. Um, but at the same time, I was also fascinated how much, how little I know about it as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, Cody, I'm sure if we're fortunate enough to be able to check back in with you, say, 12 months from now, you'll be somewhat of a whiskey expert, uh, especially after several whiskey sessions with Andrew Russell. So we certainly look forward to hearing about the progress of the, the distillery and also uh, your, your role there and how it all evolves. So just bringing it back to sake, just jumping back quickly again to the amount that you're producing at Funasaka, which you said is 600 koku, which as we discussed is not a lot of sake. Just curious as to how much you're exporting at the moment. Roughly 10% of our production is more or less imported. Um, um, to uh, That's an area that I'm not too familiar with um, because um, I haven't really got into that aspect, but I was talking to actually the president today, and he is roughly about ten percent uh, of it is imported, um, or um, exported. Exported, yeah. <laughs> so, I apologize. No, no, no. Do you know which country? Do you know which country? I, the countries I do know is um, I know it's a little bit. Um, I think I know it's available in Australia. I, I think it's um, available in Singapore, Hong Kong. Um, I know that um, I don't, I think they have a, a they go through a um, domestic importer that goes to America, but I think it's all available in California. Um, and then other than that, um, I think they have some associated with um, the UK as well, so. Mm. so. But that's ten uh, percent of six hundred koku is quite a yeah yeah so. And you you mentioned you've only been there for for a year, but uh, a couple of people were curious as to whether whether you have a a favorite sake there that you enjoy uh, making more than any other, or perhaps drinking more than any other. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like uh, you know just. Futsushu, um, their Futsushu um, Batsukan. We, we well, I tend to drink it on a daily basis, but. Um, and Cody, just out of curiosity, how much of what the brewery is producing is Futsushu? 
probably maybe less than 10% of the production. Um, and so uh, most of the production is roughly Gingjo based. Um, they do a lot of Honjozo as well. Uh, in, in, prior to, you know, when the company was bought out, uh, Funosako is mostly known for its Honjozo uh, in the, the local region. But um, so roughly maybe less than 10%, I would say. In regards to making, um, I, I, of course, I, I really enjoy the Daiginjo aspects, you know, where it gets down to, you know, the, uh, the different uh, pressing methods, uh, you know, ogi toka, fukuro shibori toka. And so I really like those different um, aspects of, of that type of, um, of, of the, I guess, this year or, or the, time of year I, I would say so i i just have to comment that um it's wonderful to know that you like the most laborious kind of work and <laughs> the challenging rice variety well it's funny because because we did so much of that work at watanabe you know so we're constantly doing fukuro shibori and fukuro ori you know all the deep really detailed um, methods at, at watanabe and so when I started working at Funosaka, that's one of the main areas I I, wanted, I kind of wanted to implement um, because at, up up until that point they were just using more or less yabata, or you know in, in regards to their their uh, pressing method, and so um, and then the way that they actually uh, they were actually using I know fukuro tsuri method, but um, it was a much different way than than I was actually ever uh, or used to, um, where where you know normally you hang it and, and but they were actually laying on, on one another, um, and I've never actually done that before. I, I don't know if you, you actually grasp what I'm talking about. Um, so it's kind of like laying the the the, the bags the, without like, pressuring like fune. Yeah, so so they were actually filling up the bags, and then instead of hanging the bags, they were actually um, uh, putting them in, in a one particular tank on top of one another. Mm. Um, and so I've actually never done that before. Um, and so it, it's kind of more or less um, a fukuro ori method. But then you take it out, and then you um, take all the you know unpressed mash, and then put it in the yabata again. Uh, so, whereas with the yep with the fukuro ori method, you rearrange the, the the bags and then you press it again, uh, you know, uh, on three multiple occasions, where it's it was very unique um, experience, and so so that was something very new to me uh, that I've never experienced that, that this particular thing. So now, dear friend Harold. Uh, was a big fan of um, the sake from your former brewery and also mentioned to me that he's a big fan of Ayama sake rice, um, which you're not using now at, at Funasaka, you were using at Watanabe. Um, but he was curious to know what rice you guys are brewing with there and is there anything that you're brewing with now that is new to you as far as rice goes? Uh, no, um, everything um, that I was using at Watanabe, so roughly at Watanabe as well, 80% was using Hirohumare 
which is local rice, uh, sake rice. Um, we're, we're, the, we're more or less in the same boat at Punasaka as well, where roughly 80% is hirohomare. And then other, th- other than that, um, it's a very simple Punasaka. Um, the only other type of rice that we use is actually yamada niski. Um, um, this is something I re- I've been trying to, well, you know, I've, again, I've only been there one year, but um, in this next season, uh, uh, more or less, we're uh, creating the, the, the menu again. Um, um, you know, that's something I, I kind of want to implement. I've always had a, a strong passion with um, using omachi, akaiwa omachi, um, or takashima omachi. And so that's something I kind of want to implement as well. Um, I uh, really like Koshi no Shizuku from uh, Fukui Prefecture. Um, uh, of course, if if we could, I'd love to implement Ayama as well. Mm. Uh, but uh, again, um, the, the production is so little and I don't know how much I, I can kind of um, implement that into the scheme of, of this, you know, uh, of the whole scale at this particular point or not, but it's definitely something I, I want to try mm. in the near future. On the subject of brewing, uh, Harold also had a question as to what is your favorite part of the, the brewing process? I, I love the koji um, um, aspect um, because it's so detailed, you know, it's so um, intricate. You know, uh, again, the washing aspects have huge uh, aspects in regards to uh, how the sake is fermented and how it's, you know, uh, processed in, in, in the fermentation process. But the koji is so unique, um, especially with um, the type of tanikoji that, you know, every brewer uses. And that seems to be very fascinating with, uh, with my uh, move from fun- Watanabe to Funosaka is um, more or less those minute details in regards to the koji aspects of how um, this particular brewer or head brewer at uh, Funosaka versus our brewer at Watanabe uh, was, I mean, it's night and day really how uh, much different, you know, their ways of making koji is. Um, so it, it was, I guess it's just more fascinating um, than anything. So. So, so I, I would say, you know, by far, you know, the koji aspect of the brewing process is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. That's where I spend most of my time. You know, yeah. Um, the, does your brewery use a particular method of um, koji making or do, do they use like all three table, um, tray and um, futa? A box. We don't use box futa. We don't use uh, futa at all, actually. Um, but uh, more or less, it's a uh, tenmaku and, and, and toko um, methods. Um, and um, and again, because of the scale of the, you know, the muro is just tiny compared to what I was using. But um, in regards to, you know, that they have an automated te- tenmaku um, in, in, the, in the brewery um, and that kind of helps and the current toji um, likes to use that a lot. I'm actually just the contra- contrary where I, I don't want to use the temaku as much as where, where it's more or less natural. Um, you know, how with the temaku, they actually have automated air that blows on and cools down the, the temperature. I don't really prefer that 
too much, but um, that's something, you know, I'm trying to um, slowly change, you know, live in there. So. And so you, you keep saying how small it is there. So I'm wondering whether they are, are they aging anything at all or is there just no no space to be aging sake there? They have a chozo room that where actually they, they uh, dug underneath um, and there's, so there is a small, um, actually a chozo room that, um, but it's really small. And, and so they're more or less aging sake is pretty much, most of, I, I think um, they had um, some sake that was aged five years, um, and then they just released it and sold it this uh, during um, December last year. So. But now you have that huge um, storage area for whiskey. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yes. yes. You're actually on the you're actually on the same page as me, Maki. You know, because I was thinking myself. <laughs> Oh, well, now we have you know the the, the blowhole in and so we do have a method to actually yeah yeah, yeah. so I if actually, all, all else fails you can just start uh, aging sake in this in this new premises <laughs> you know it's funny because you, you brought that up because i brought that up to shacho just last week actually you know since we have this premises you know it's about an hour and a half from the brewery but you know it's still a nice um you know yeah yeah <laughs> compared to what, you know, we're currently using. So. so Cody, tell us when you're not drinking Funasaka sake, because uh, obviously you drink it when you're working and I'm sure uh, when you're, when you're doing quality control and, um, <laughs> and also just being a loyal uh, brewer there, but when you're not drinking Funasaka sake, what are you drinking? I enjoy Chochi. From it's, Aichi Prefecture. From Aichi Prefecture, yes. Yes, and it just so happens that I am drinking chochin this evening. Oh, um, I was. <laughs> and I'm drinking the the 60. Uh, yeah. And of course, for those that aren't familiar with chochin, it's very easy to spot because uh, it's wrapped in, in newspaper. And it's definitely a sake that's becoming a bit of a staple here at my house anyway. With that said, I'm going to... Top my glass up with Chochin and raise my glass to you, Cody, uh, with gratitude as we start to wrap this episode up. Um, Maki, any final words before we wrap up? Um, now I have to try that sushi. Is there anywhere we can buy that in Tokyo? Well, I'll, I'll look it up and let you know. <laughs> 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 or next time I'm in Tokyo, I'll just bring it to you. I was going to say, wrong answer, Cody. You should just say, I'll send you a bottle, Maki. I'll no, send you a bottle. <laughs> I'm sorry. But bring yourself bring yourself with the bottle too. Of course. <laughs> so we can enjoy that together. So. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, wish I, wish I could join you for that. And perhaps one day I will. But um, Cody, as you said, it's, it's, you know, this is your second season that you're going into now at Funasaka. And there's a lot happening this year, including the uh, birth of a, a new whiskey distillery. So we might have to get get you back on the podcast and um, do a bit of a, a catch up in a, in a, about 12 months time, perhaps, and see um, how this season went for you and um, whether any of your ideas might come to fruition for the next brewing season that you've put to the table. And also um, let's see what's happening at this distillery and whether you 
uh, <laughs> whether you've grown a liking to uh, to whiskey by the time um, 12 months comes around. So lots lots of new things on the horizon and certainly look forward to following uh, the, the progress of uh of your journey and also um, the new whiskey distillery and perhaps any new products coming out of Funasaka in the future. So once again, Cody, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. We wish you all the very best. And to everybody who tuned in to episode number five of TWTT, the podcast, thank you so much. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and keep enjoying sake. Sonny.